Hi. Hello, Mr. Andy J. Pizza. Hi, Andy. Hello, Dr. Pizza. Hey, Andy, and all you creative pepperonis. Hey there, pepperonis. What's up, all my beautiful pepperonis? This is Mickey J. Winner. Hi, I'm Kita. I'm Gri Garcia. Hello, my name is Molly. Hi. I'm Kina Forney. Hey, my name is Alexis Moles. My name's Brian Bean. Hello all, I am Karen Light. Hello Andy, uh, this is Adam Slusar. Uh, recording this message for you from Canada. And I'm a listener of the podcast from Moscow, Russia. And I just want to say that this podcast really gets me pepped up. I started listening to Andy J. Pizza's podcast about a year ago when I was hitting some walls with my creativity. Oh my goodness. Okay, where do I even begin? Hello, Andy. My favorite uh, topics that comes up over and over again has to do with the hero's journey. The answer that your path is not built on your greatest hits, that it's the pivotal moments in your life and not the ones where you were crushing it or in your groove or kicking ass and taking names. It's the times where you were beaten down to a pulp. The times when you are most ready to call it in are the times that most stand out because you tell yourself to get back up and that's what counts. Uh, remember that time Dr. Pizza talked about loving the climb? A new way of seeing things. There was a mindset shift from I hope I'm going to make it to how am I going to make it work? You are consistent on encouraging us to make our own opportunities as creative people. Imagine, imagine, be like so open and fantastical and crazy and maybe maybe it will come true. So don't give up. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your work. Um, you are the one podcast that I consistently listen to, and you've made such a huge impact in my life and my work. And um, gosh, I might get a little choked up here. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yo, this is a super special episode. It is sponsored and in collaboration with Patreon. This is a Patreon special. And us over here at uh, CPTHQ have been brainstorming with Patreon what a Patreon special would look like. And we came up with the idea of doing an episode about growing and connecting deeply to an audience. Yes, you can do that through Patreon, but all the things we're gonna share today are not Patreon exclusive. They are not the veneer. They're deeper than that. They're about how to build an audience. And I hope by the end that you do get started on Patreon because uh, I think as you're gonna see that it's a long game and it's a great, way to diversify your income and to build your creative practice on the most solid foundation, which is a direct connection to your true fans. And that's why I love Patreon. Thank you, Patreon, for making this episode possible. So this episode has three types of content that's coming at you. The first is I'm going to share three tips that have been the central building blocks of growing an audience over the past 12 years of my creative career. And those are going to be dispersed throughout. 
Then we have three special guests, uh, friends of mine who I have seen build an amazing connection with an audience, and they're going to share their individual tips. Here's who we got. We got Franerd, uh, <laughs> a huge friend of the show and, uh, and someone who I'm just a huge fan of. And we're lucky enough to have some of her input about what has been central to her building her deep connection that she has with her nerds, her Fran nerds. And we've got Dina Rodriguez, which I've had the pleasure of watching her career kind of explode over the past couple of years. She has an amazing community of followers that uh, are deeply connected to her work. And she's going to share some super fresh tactics. We need one of those air horns. Fresh tactics in the morning. <laughs> uh, but the, su super good. And then F. Dot, who I also have been watching over the past couple of years, and he has just taken off. His career has found so much new life and, and personality, and he's done some really interesting things with Patreon, and he's going to share a little bit too. However, the sweetest part of this episode is going to come from Patreon backers. I couldn't think of any better way to celebrate this show than to highlight some of the backers of the show. We, we've been Patreon supported way before we were big enough to actually have sponsors. And uh, I just wanted to use this episode to celebrate them and the connection that they have to the show. We took submissions of people's favorite idea that had the most impact on them from Creative Pep Talk. And we took a bunch of submissions. We weren't able to use them all, unfortunately, but we did listen to them all. And uh, me and my agent, Ryan, we were listening through them all and they were just warming our hearts. It was amazing. I actually got emotional listening to these things. So super pumped to share all these with you. They're going to come in different chunks throughout interdispersed throughout this episode. I hope that you love it. Let's do it. Let's go into the episode about building a audience that you can build a creative practice on. Here we go. All right, so I'm going to kick this bad boy off with maybe the most fundamental shift in my creative career. And uh, I hope that you write this down somewhere where you can see it so that every day you're creating through this mindset. This is how huge I think it is. My first point is about having a creative career where you're working for a check and not playing the lottery. You know, I think that in creative practices, I don't know if it's because this is how it used to be or if this is just what we celebrate, but I feel like most creatives, when it comes to trying to build an audience, that they don't approach it with the laws of the universe. You know, uh, I don't know if this is probably not true, but... Einstein is, <laughs> anytime you bring up an Einstein quote, it's embarrassing. 
I don't know. Who cares who said it? But he is supposed to have said that uh, the law of compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. It's just this idea that, you know, if you get started small and you get started early, that if you just use the natural forces of time, you will be blown away with what's possible. We told this story on the show once, and uh, it's one of my favorite ideas, just this idea that um, there's a legend about the guy who invented the chess game, the chess game, chess. Some people call it, I call it the chess game. Um, (laughs) uh, But he invented chess. And the king of the land was so pumped about it that he was like, I'll give you anything that you want. What do you want as a reward for this? And he's like, just give me one piece of rice for the first square on the board. Then on the next square, just take that and double it. So I want for the next square, I want two. And for the next square, I want two plus two, four. The fourth square, I want four plus four, eight. And just do that all the way to the last square. That's all I want. And the king is like, okay, I guess you can have a few bits of rice. That's weird. But the king was like most creative people. They didn't see the law of compounding interest. And by that last square, he had to give this man tons and tons, physical tons of rice because that's how this works. A lot of people might look at my following, which in, you know, it just, it's, you know, it's the comparison thing to some people, my following might look tiny. Some people, my following might look impossible. Uh, but here's the thing, whatever you think about it, that is the result of 12 years of showing up and making stuff and attempting to connect to my people to people who love the kind of things that I love and trying to make them new, exciting things in that vein. And here's what I want you to take away. I want you to quit thinking about how do I get 100,000 followers by the end of 2020? And I want you to start thinking about what it looks like to build your career over the next 20 years. I'm just going to do a little math for you. I know... Is this a math podcast? Number one, like this year, if you make one true fan and then that person tells one other person next year and then you've got next year, you've got two true fans. You might have more followers, but I'm talking true fans. Kevin Kelly describes us as people that will spend $100 a year on you. That's a true fan. You get a thousand of them, you've got $100,000 in a year. Okay, but let's just say this year, You show up and you convert one person. And then next year, they tell one person who they know would love it. So then year two, you've got two. By the time you get to year nine, you've got 256, right? Okay, still not gonna pay all your bills. But if you stay on that track by year 20, 20 years from now, you will have half a million true followers. And the people that treat their creative career like this, just this compounding interest, just showing up, just trying to earn a check, not trying to win the lottery. These people build these deep connections with their audience and their audience will follow them wherever they go. They will be a firm foundation 
for a lifelong career. Just for a second, let's compare Sufjan Stevens with his obvious counterpoint, Mark McGrath, uh, the lead singer of Sugar Ray. You know, I'm sorry, Mark. I hope you're not listening to this. If you're trying to build a thriving creative practice, I, you know, I hope you are listening to this, man, because I know that you've been struggling. <laughs> but Mark McGrath, the Sugar Ray, I just want to fly. Like that whole lottery win, huge radio hit, you know, defined the sound of that year, arguably. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Um, but <laughs> but it, what it did for me, I got that album. And uh, that was, I think, like the first album I ever bought. And it's the only song on that album that sounds like that. I bought it. I didn't know it was like a heavy rock album. And this was just their weird hit. They shifted their sound after that. But I just would listen to I Just Want to Fly on repeat. Um, <laughs> and but the but so many of us want to be Sugar Ray. But do we really? 20 years on? No. What you want is to be Sufjan Stevens 20 years on. Sufjan Stevens has been on the slow climb. He's made the deep connections to people like him showing up year after year with offerings that matter to them. And then six albums in, he has an, a performance on the Oscars. And most of America watched it thinking, who the heck is this guy? Right? That's the kind of career that I want. That's the kind of career that I hope that you shift towards. And keep that in mind as we go through all of these ideas. Keep that in mind as you start a Patreon, that it doesn't matter if you have one person support you this year, because if you show up and stay with it and you build this thing, not just as a little blip on the map, but over 20 years, hey man, 20 years, you might have half a million Patreon backers. Hi, Andy. My name is Amanda Weedmark. I'm a graphic designer, digital illustrator, and creative entrepreneur. You can find me on Instagram at aweedmarkdesigns. That's A-W-E-E-D-M-A-R-K designs. And you can also find me online at aweedmark.com. So right off the bat, I just want to say thank you for your podcasts. They are amazing. The guests you have are amazing. The topics you talk about are amazing. I always get a little bit of something from each one. And the two that have stood out so far that I've actually seen some really great success from by implementing ideas from them is Lauren Holm and Michelle Poehler. And they not only inspired me to take some chances, to be a little braver, um, but to keep going and to just really strive to do something a little bit more um, and just turn off the, the negative voices in my head and just go for it. And a couple of months ago, I was working on a postcard project and they were self-isolation postcards that instead of writing from a far off place that you're traveling to or you're um, traveling in, that you would write these postcards from the different rooms of your home. So there are five postcards in each set that outline the different rooms in people's homes. There's a general greetings from home one, there's a kitchen one, a couch one, a bedroom one, and a patio one. And with that, 
I also did a little travel guide and it was really, really fun to not only do this, but to also go beyond what I typically do. You finish a project, you post it online and call it a day. But this one, I actually was inspired to do a little more and get my work in front of peers, to get my work in front of people. And that was a very scary thing. It's, um, you know, the, the imposter syndrome kicks in when that happens. You know, who am I to put this in front of my peers? Who am I to put this in front of, um, you know, people at design magazines who see some amazing things every day, they're just going to laugh at my work. They're going to laugh in my face and, you know, um, criticize the fact that I'm doing this, but I was really proud of this project. So I really wanted to put it out there. And these two podcasts really inspired me to find some bravery and to hit the submit button and share this work with the world. I ended up getting featured in two of the design blogs that, that I submitted to, and I also sold out the first batch of postcards in under a week, which is, I've never had that happen before. I was panicked that it was happening, um, but it was amazing to see. And then the second batch, I got a, you know, a bigger batch of postcards next time so that I wouldn't sell out and have enough time. And in a week and a half, I sold out of those. So um, it's been really, really fun to see what happens when you step outside of that comfort zone. And I'm a big believer of doing that. I do that in my personal life, but when it comes to work and, and the work that I do, it's sometimes really tough to either A, know how to do that, or B, to find the courage to do that and be proud of the work that you do and be proud of putting it out there. Um, regardless of what the world thinks of it, um, just as long as you are proud of it and you are excited about it and you are joyful about it, that should be all that matters. That is the measure of success and anything else beyond that is a bonus. So I saw some awesome bonuses um, in putting this project out into the world and it was amazing to see and I look forward to continuing with a supplementary postcard pack um, and who knows, maybe, maybe more, I don't know where this little project will go, but I'm going to keep working on it and, um, keep adding to it and we'll see what happens. So thank you for those. Thank you to Lauren and Michelle for sharing such wonderful advice and helping me find my brave bravery and helping me find a little bit of courage to get my work out into the world. Hey, this is Dina Rodriguez, also known as Letter Shop, with two P's and an E like an old ice cream parlor, and we're talking about building an audience. This is something that a lot of people talk about, and I think something that we don't really understand is not everyone's journey is the same. Some advice you might hear from one person might not work for you, but you have to try a lot of things until you can find your thing. So if you're in that beginning phase of your artistic journey of trying to be an artist, an illustrator, a designer, just know that you can kind of just throw things at the wall and see what sticks, and that's completely normal. Don't be afraid to mess up, especially if you don't have very many followers right now, like there's no one to impress, there's no one to offend. So you might as well just have some fun along the way while you figure your stuff out. Because the thing that 
we are so focused on is skill. But the thing that actually matters the most to like everyday consumers, the people that want to hire you, the people that want to buy your products is the message. And I think that kind of freaks some designers out. Honestly, it's like, oh, I've spent so much money on art degree or I've taken all these tutorials and I've been doing this for years. Why does no one notice me? Why does no one like my work? It's not that it's not beautiful. It's not that you're not talented. It's just that there's no reason for me to engage with it. There's nothing prompting me to start a conversation with you. There's nothing making me want to share this to my following. And that's a huge problem. So how can we be more interesting, I guess? How can we make more shareworthy work that people actually care about? You have to be relatable. Now, if you look at my work, it's very sensitive, right? I talk about body positivity and cannabis and sex and being a, pri you know, a prideful bisexual woman. And if you like those same things or if those same values align with you, you're probably gonna enjoy my work. But honestly, there's a lot of different hobbies and interests and things that we have. There's a lot of different ways and things you can talk about to attract an audience to you. So ask yourself these questions. What do you like to do? What are your interests? What kind of books do you like to read? What kind of movies do you like to watch? If you talk about the things that you enjoy in your work, other people who enjoy those same things are going to gravitate naturally towards you. The same thing can be said with what you struggle with. I struggle with body <laughs> dysmorphia. I struggle with anxiety and depression. And those are things I talk about in my work. And then the third <laughs> being values, whether that's religion, whether that's activism, feminism, what are the things that are important to you? And put that into your work. And if you're having a hard time coming up with these messages, I totally get it. Figuring out who you are is one thing, but like telling people who you are is a whole other situation. So something that really helped me was asking myself those three questions, struggles, values, and interests, and then following other curated pages, not just artists, not just influencers, quote unquote, but other pages that that's all they shared was mental health. That's all they shared was body positivity. That's all they shared was really funny puns about smoking weed every day. <laughs> And that's what helped inspire create my own work because I was seeing other people doing it and killing it. So that's something that could honestly help. Because again, when you're just starting out, no one's watching you. So you might as well just do whatever you want, right? Now, relatability is the first half. The second half is consistency. The same reason I follow you on Monday should be the same reason that I continue to follow you on Friday. So ask yourself, what do my audience actually care about? What do they want from me? And it's not just your work. Because some people out there, maybe you have day jobs, maybe you have kids, maybe you have both. <laughs> maybe you have a bunch of things, maybe you're taking care of a family member. You got a lot of stuff going on and maybe posting consistently on places like Instagram or Patreon or, or Twitter just aren't on the, the list of priorities. But if you want to take this whole creative journey a little bit more seriously, you have to be consistent. Not just for the sake of the algorithm, but it's key in building an audience. So, how many pieces, how many pieces of artwork, design, illustrations can you realistically, again, keyword realistically, make a week? Now, my favorite answer, oh, you think of your answer, I'm going to tell you the right answer, <laughs> ready, is three. I think three is a really good number. If that seems crazy to you, maybe you're more of like a traditional artist and it takes you two weeks to make one piece, that's fine. But notice I said three posts a week. It doesn't have to be three pieces. There's things like sharing pictures of yourself. It takes way less time to snap a selfie than it does to make an original piece of content. I honestly, this week, have been experimenting with sharing my tweets, like screenshots of tweets <laughs> on my Instagram. And those are sometimes getting more likes than my artwork. 
Try not to take that personally. Again, just a perfect example of people caring more about the message than the skill it took to make. That's why the, you're going to see Instagram accounts that literally only share screenshots of tweets or people who just do chicken scratch quotes or use the same font in every single piece that have millions of followers because people care more about the message than the skill that it took. So with consistency in mind, how many pieces can you realistically make? Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Whatever it is, stay consistent. And also think of what other kinds of content you can flood your feed so that way it's a little bit easier to create more posts in case you're the kind of person that's totally freaked out by the idea of making three pieces a week. And figure out what that content cadence would be. That's what I like to call it. Like right now, if you look at my feed, my content cadence is screenshot of tweet, uh, sharing a video that I made on TikTok, sharing a product that I have available in my store, sharing the process black and white ink drawing of a new piece that I'm making, sharing one final static image of a piece of artwork. That's my cadence. I do that twice a week for 10 posts a week. This helps me in a lot of different ways. One, I know how to manage my time because I know what the goal is. And two, it's able to help me kind of visualize my Instagram feed because that's how I make my money. That's how I build my audience. So that way I can just kind of do things more consistently because without having some sort of strategy in place, you're just gonna do more thinking and not a lot of doing and you're gonna be wondering what you've been doing for the past three months and you haven't gone anywhere and you're just running in place. So these are some of the initial things I like to talk about anytime I do like a coaching session with someone, especially an artist like me that's just at the very beginning trying to figure out how do I make artwork? How do I get people to care about it? So hopefully some of those tips have been helpful for you. And I'd love to take any questions go ahead and give me a DM at Lettershop on Instagram. Also give free advice on TikTok and also on Twitter. I wonder what other people are saying about building an audience. I'm excited to listen to this episode. Okay, bye. Man, Dana. Woo! I love that. This is a fun episode. I love the, the th uh, it was a huge breakthrough for me in my career when I quit making illustration just for illustrators who like illustration. And I started to actually tap into my actual interests and followed, you know, philosophy Instagram accounts and, and uh, science Instagram accounts and spiritual Instagram accounts, all that stuff that's doing it for me that then informs my practice and, and, uh, and helps me build relationships with people that like that. You know, it's not my job to be an illustrator who makes illustration about illustration. It's my job to illustrate the types of things that only I like. I'm the only illustrator that's obsessed with, you know, these handful of things. And then it's my little patch of earth where I get to till that stuff. So that's awesome. Love it. Second thing I want to bring from my little bag of audience growing tricks is to forget the ladder and find a climbing partner or find multiple climbing partners. You know, when it comes to building a career, you know, that just sounds gross, man. Why? Why does it sound gross to build a career? It's because in our minds, building a career is about climbing the ladder. And the rungs on that ladder are people stepping on people's faces to get above them, right? And smash them below. But I found that the biggest way to network or partner uh, isn't to network at all, but to make friends. 
as my friend uh, Jen Masari would say, don't make contacts, make friends. And what I found is instead of thinking of it like a ladder, think of it like climbing a mountain. Find peers, invest in peers that will help each other get up this mountain. Here's what I mean by that. I have this theory that uh, great creative work starts with great taste or super taste. Now, I don't think that taste is everything. I'm, I said that it starts with taste, not it ends with taste. There's a bunch of stuff you got to add to your taste, but there's this idea of super taster. It just means someone who's got a ridiculous amount of taste buds on their tongue. You might not know this, but a tongue, a human tongue can range from a few hundred taste buds to thousands. There's just this huge degree of sensitivity and everybody's different. And I like to think that your creative ability, the true creative talent doesn't start with what you can do, but how deeply you can receive. So the people that have this super tasting tongue, they can taste the depth of flavor and the, and the wide flavor profile and they can pick out things and it helps influence that creative intuition. The same goes for musicians. You know, if you have this depth of receptivity of notes and music and you're picking up nuance and you're, you can reverse engineer those recipes, right? If you're a fan of this podcast, you've heard me talk about this before. I just want to set that up because I want to say that the best use of your taste often that super sense of this is the good stuff is being a talent scout for your peers. It's using that metal detector that is your taste that's picking up on good stuff before anybody else is recognizing that this person's got what it takes and then investing in them relationally, giving them a leg up, you know, celebrating them, encouraging them. The people that have made the biggest impact in my creative career are not people ahead of me on the path. They're people that I have forged a path with. So look around. When you're building an audience, don't just try to get to the person with a million Instagram followers and get them to share your crap. That doesn't even work that well. I hate to break it to you. But what really does are people that you will link arm in arm with that will help, you know, push your stuff throughout the year and you'll do the same for them and you'll help critique them and you'll help do projects with them. If you are not building relationships within your creative career, within your sphere, within your market, you are not earning a paycheck. You're betting on winning the crazy creative career lottery. And, uh, you know, as that, Southern preacher says, Andy Stanley, you know, winning the lottery is not a plan. Where there's no pattern, there is no plan. You can't plan on being the random exception. And so if you want to, uh, you, you want to build this thing surely, but slowly, slowly, but surely, surely you sure are slow, uh, Andy, <laughs> then find some partners, invest in it. You know, there's this myth, there's, there's so much mythology around creativity and a lot of it's harmful. And, and one of them is, you know, artists have this heart for humanity, for others. And we say we are against the ego and we're for the community. And yet so many of our ideas are so focused on ourselves and individuals and only listening and pleasing ourselves. But the fact of the matter is we are social animals. And we need each other. And creativity is like any other thing that we do. It is a social 
endeavor. So start being a talent scout for your friends. Start investing in people that you know are amazing, that are going places that you want to go. Tie your ship to them. And let's ride into the sunset, baby. Hi, Andy Pizza. Uh, I'm so excited that I get to talk to you. Um, you've changed my life, and I'm so happy that I discovered your podcast and became a creative pepperoni uh, just under a year ago now. Your podcast is my absolute favorite in the world, and I think of you like a dear old friend that I get to chat with on a weekly basis. Uh, so I immediately think of one particular episode when I think about your impact in my life. I've been uh, chugging along with my ceramics and home decor brand, which is called Scavenge and Bloom, since 2016. Um, my direction hasn't exactly been clear for pretty much the entire tenure of my business, but I've managed, and it's done okay. Uh, but the thing is, I felt like I wanted more clarity and more authenticity and like more feeling and more of a singular vision that made me stand out. So cut then to episode 261 of your podcast, uh, which you've mysteriously titled, Artists with Super Fandoms Have This Surprising Thing in Common. Very dramatic. So first of all, uh, I feel like I need to acknowledge the fact that you begin the episode by sweeping us away into the mystical land of Aldi. <laughs> and uh, you managed to segue this monologue about a discount grocery store into a list of incredible tactics in a way that's just inexplicably brilliant and hilarious. Uh, so I just didn't want to overlook this moment. But anyway, the tactics. You uh, talk about how celebrities with a cult following are mirrors for our souls or soul mirrors and they help us feel seen and that's just why they're so successful uh, so first of all this whole concept of feeling seen has been a huge part of my new direction in art and that's 100 percent thanks to you and how you talk about the whole idea of feeling seen and i feel like it's something you cover in a lot of your your episodes so anyway the uh, five things that these mystical celebrities understand about themselves and weave into their work are as follows. So number one, identity, which is like who you are and where you come from, your philosophy, your interests and what lights you up, your core values, and then your guilty pleasures, which for me would be uh, like Lisa Frank, glitter and murder stories. So after I listened to this episode, I literally just sat down and I made a list. I listed my soul mirror celebrities and I thought about why I like them so much. Like Sufjan Stevens, for example, he's like really sensitive and invokes this ridiculous vulnerability, but in this weirdly jubilant way. And I just love that. So that's one thing that I try to think about incorporating into my work, like a joyful vulnerability, for example. So I've been keeping a list of my values and my guilty pleasures and all these other things. And I'm still on this weird journey of trying to figure out who I am. But the, the fun part is listening to this episode and making these lists. It created this like radical and immediate readiness for change in me and my art. I started sketching and I came up with this new line of pots. Um, I made a bunch of them and I posted them on Instagram. And I'm pretty sure I've just never gotten as much attention on a post as these new pots got. Um, I started a new Instagram for them and it's just growing really nicely with loyal customers and followers. And every time I release a new batch of the pots, they're really successful, much more than my previous work. 
I've honestly been just waiting for the time that I could tell you about this. And I wanted to let you know how much you've impacted me. Um, I can't really overstate it. These concepts that you talk about have led to my new work. And this work is keeping me afloat in a season where my craft shows are canceled. My retail locations have closed at some point or another, and people can't really necessarily spend money on art. And somehow it's been working for me. And I really think it has a lot to do with you and your advice. So thank you. Um, your work fills me up and it really makes me think. My name is Chelsea. And I'm sure you knew that because we're dear old weekly chat friends, but for everyone else out there. Uh, and my new Instagram is at fellow ceramics. Thank you, Andy. And please keep up the great work and understand how much you're loved and appreciated during this dumpster fire of a year. You're the best. Take care. Hey, this is Eric Friedenson, aka F. Dot, and Andy asked me to share with you one audience building idea that has served me over the years. Now, collaborating isn't a new idea, but if you think about it in new ways, you can actually accomplish a lot. So that means thinking of your practice less like you're creating for an audience, but more like you're creating with your audience. In the end, your audience is not a number, it's an, a group of individuals, and they're all having their own individual experience with you and your work. We forget this so easily when we just see the numbers, but it's so true and it's important to remind ourselves of this. So for example, a way that I collaborate with my audience is I make murals and fine art on paper. And whenever I'm thinking about new ideas, I always give my audience an opportunity, whether it's like a question poll or just a, a prompt to leave a comment in one of my posts. That way they have an opportunity to interact and get their voice heard. Not everybody's going to do this, but you have to remember that most people don't get to be creative every day. And some people are just looking for opportunities to contribute. Another way that I like to share with my audience and collaborate with them is by streaming my process live. And I know that not everybody's going to want to do this, but if you've been thinking about live streaming your process, just go for it because you really have nothing to lose. I started doing live streams recently with one of my projects in 2020, and I found that it just helps me so much to develop that rapport with my audience that I know them on a first name basis and then they know me. It's like we actually are friends in real life because you never know who's watching. It's not just a spectator that is going to be casually cruising through your content. Sometimes you're interacting with someone who might be following your career for a really long time. And so giving them the respect to say, hey, I hear you. Here's your opportunity to contribute to what I'm building. It really goes a long way. I hope these ideas at least get your brain thinking about ways that you can be collaborating with your audience instead of just creating for them. Thanks so much for having me on, Andy. I appreciate everything you do, and I hope that we can collaborate soon. Quick shout out to our other sponsor, Shutterstock. We have really appreciated the support of Shutterstock. They make it easy to find stock film and illustrations and vectors and and photography and, and designs. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had to find stock uh, art for your job, but it can be super painful and take a million years and there's a lot of crap out there. But Shutterstock is not like that. They have special curated collections to make finding what you need much easier. There's high quality stuff on there, 
Oscar users, Oscar users, Oscar winners are users. Um, I'm told. I didn't know that, but uh, that's pretty dope. And you can be just like them. Go check it out. Shutterstock.com slash CPT for a one month free trial that you can cancel anytime and get 10 free images. Um, go check it out. The searching's easy. Um, and, uh, and they have the quality stuff. Shutterstock.com slash CPT. Thanks, Shutterstock. Hey, Andy. I'm Josh Ryan. I'm a designer and illustrator in Texas. And um, you can find me on Instagram at I Make Things. Uh, one of the ideas that stuck out to me the most from the Creative Pep Talk podcast was when you explained how uh, anger is a secondary emotion. Um, I, my whole life, I've kind of felt overwhelmed and, and controlled by uh, my emotions a lot of the times, especially negative ones like anger and sadness and stuff. Um, and and a lot of the, you know, the therapy and work that I've done on myself has, has been about pausing and looking past those initial feelings to find those the underlying, you know, causes and feelings that are fueling that negativity. Uh, and um, hearing it wrapped up in, a, in the creative pep talk podcast really showed that I could apply this kind of thinking and, and exercise to my creative struggles and feelings as well, not just kind of my, my personal life and relationships. So yeah, thank you for that. Hi everybody. My name is Fran, aka Franerd. I'm an illustrator. Oh, hi, Andy. I didn't see you there. I'm so sorry. I didn't say hello to you. Um, so I don't know if you can hear, but the train is passing by. This is part of what I want to say today, actually, about being honest. And I have to be honest with you guys. Uh, today's a really, really warm and hot day here in Brooklyn, New York. And it's so hot that I have to open all windows and, and like turn on the fans. So you're going to hear a lot of noises because unfortunately I'm not recording this on a fancy studio. I'm recording this in my bedroom and I'm sweating my eyes out. So welcome to my messy bedroom. Uh, so Andy, the man sitting across this like long table asked me if I could share some knowledge with you guys, which I'm going to absolutely do. And he asked me if I could share any thing that revolves around how to connect with your audience and how to build a connection or how to build an audience. And it's hard, you guys. It's hard because I love to talk and I could talk to you about this for hours and I could divide any like all of the the train is passing by again. Once again, I could share like all of the things that I know um, with all of the social media, because I feel like there's different tactics and different tools for each and every single uh, social media. But I feel like if I could narrow it down to a very few, if I can narrow it down into what applies to everything, life and love and friendship and work, I will say honesty, 100% honesty. So. I'm an artist, I'm an illustrator. I already said that. 
But the main thing that I use, you guys, and I don't know if you use vulnerability, but the main thing that I use in my work, if I could use that word, um, is vulnerability. Vulnerability is something that I use to connect with people. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Andy, but last year you came to Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. And when Andy came, we went to this... Um, uh, local uh, cafe and we went and we got some amazing ice lattes but anyway I was drinking my ice latte you know as you do and we talked for hours and I remember you asked me hey friend what is the thing that you want people to feel when they see your work and that question Andy just like blew my socks off because you don't tend like you don't stop and think about those things until someone asks you and it took me a while to answer that question, but I actually answered that question to myself one day this year, actually. And the main thing that I want to do, Andy, is I want people to feel less lonely when they see my work, when they read my comics, when they watch my videos, because I, I have been on the other side and it happened to me a couple of years ago when I started reading comics and like watching videos and like uh, reading graphic novels as well. And I remember feel seen by writers and artists and painters and poets. And is, isn't that an amazing feeling when someone talks about that thing that you went through and you thought you were the only one who experienced that and you're like, oh my God, someone else went through this as well. I feel like someone is holding my hand. I feel less lonely now. I can't believe someone else also experienced this. So since I have felt like that with other artists, I'm like, I want to be that person to other people. I want to create something that makes people less lonely. And this is why I use vulnerability, you guys, because I want to talk about sometimes painful things or things that make me feel scared or ashamed or embarrassed or uh, things that make me happy as well and emotional. So I feel like if vulnerability isn't a thing that you want to do for your, you know, social media or like your art or the way you create, I feel like honesty is such a great tool, you guys. Um, a couple of days ago, actually, a patron of mine um, asked me, friend, I'm going through this, like, I'm freaking out because I am in the midst of changing my illustration style and I have no idea what to do because I'm changing my style. I feel like that the style that I have right now is not fulfilling the needs of the things that I want to do with art. I feel like um, it's not helping me to achieve the things that I want to do with art. So I am trying to evolve. And then this process of evolving a lot of my followers have uh, have gone like I'm losing followers and because they want me to stick to my old illustration style which is not fulfilling me anymore and I have no idea what to do and, I, and I'm like baby you gotta address the situation you gotta mention the elephant in the room and uh like just write a post and say exactly how you feel say that you're scared and this is happening to you and you're in the midst of changing because this thing that you love but is not fulfilling you anymore you know you have to change it and uh you have to ask them to hold your hand and keep you company during this process because you're experimenting and you will love to see a result amongst uh them 
But I feel like when you address the audience and when you're honest about what is happening, they can understand what is happening. It's not something that it's happening, you know, like behind closed doors. I experienced the same thing while I was changing the language in all my social media because I used to speak only in Spanish and now I do it in English because I move abroad and people couldn't understand what I was saying. So I remember I was feeling exactly the same way because people had like an adverse reaction towards me changing my language. Uh, but then once I explain and I'm like, no one who surrounds me right now can understand what I am ex like, I, like what am I saying? And I need to change the language. I hope you can understand this is what this is because I want to follow my dreams and I want to make them come true. And I, I really understand if you don't want to like be part of this, I am begging you to stay so we can like do this together. We tend to, I don't know if you guys experience this, but we tend to believe or like think or assume that people are not going to be understanding and clients are not going to be understanding. And I don't know. I tend to, I don't know why, maybe it's because I'm really insecure, but um, every time I, I have an online store and every time there's delays in the shipping, I'm like, no, I, I, I'm, I, I don't want to say anything, but I need them like to, I need to tell them that the, that the, the orders are delayed because of like a personal reason or I haven't been able to pack the orders. And I am, I remember like stressing myself over this for days. And once I explain them like, oh my God, you guys, I'm so sorry about this. All of them are like, oh yeah, sure. I understand. Because most of the times, like 90% of the 99% of the time, clients or friends and followers are super forgiving and they under, they understand that you're human and you're going through stuff. And once you explain them, they tend to be more understanding rather than if you pretend that nothing is happening. So I hope it makes sense. I know it's a really quick and rush um, advice and I could talk about this forever, but I really hope that this is useful for you. If you're going through something like a pa like something painful or embarrassing, or if you're scared about anything, if you say it out loud, people are going to receive you with their arms open. You just have to be honest and with their work, with announcements, with uh, in, in, in writing, in everything that you can think of, I feel like honesty is the best tool. Man, it was good. It's always good to have Fran on the show. Thanks, Fran, for uh, for doing that. I, I totally agree. Um, and being honest in public is so much about so much of what art is about. You know, I heard um, this idea of acting isn't about pretending to have an emotion, but it's having an emotion on purpose. And, uh, and, and that's the authenticity that you're looking for. And I think all artists are looking for that in one way or another, that kind of um, genuine authenticity in real time where they can connect with their audience. I want to bring you uh, one more point. I'm going to add one. I'm going to tack one. I'm going to tack a fourth onto the end that's real tactical uh, that I heard the other day that I really liked, and I think it's important for building an audience. But the, the last deep principle that I want to share with you, it's real deep. Because it's uh, the, third, <laughs> the third thing is deep begets wide. 
This is an idea we talked about a lot on the show. But again, it's one of those same same as um, you know, earn a paycheck, don't play the lottery. This is one that I feel like maybe I need to just I'm gonna have to make some posters and some stickers about the paycheck and the lottery and deep begets wide. This is my favorite thing about Seth Godin, actually. He is nothing like other marketers. And uh, sometimes I think he's a philosopher who calls himself a marketer so that people will listen to him. And it's it's kind of a bait and switch to make the world better. Like you thought you were trying to, you know, make money, but you ended up becoming a better person. Um, and I kind of hope that this show is a little bit like that. But what I love about Seth Godin is every time when I start spiraling out of control and I think I don't have enough followers and I'm not, you know, getting the cool jobs, blah, 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 all that comparison trap BS. Uh, you know, I don't have the coolest. I would never worked for Apple like cool people. Um, I go to Seth Godin and he brings me back to this idea of quit thinking about wide acclaim and start dedicating yourself to the work of deep connections. There's an episode of StoryBrand, the podcast, where they have social media expert Claire Diaz-Ortiz on there, and she has this amazing social media advice. And it's the idea that the best way to get new followers is to treat the followers you have better. The better you serve those people, the more likely they will be to share and tell others about what you do. So every time you find yourself thinking, I got to find a new hot strategy, tactical, practical tip that can get me some new followers fast, stop yourself. Stop right there. Quit thinking wide and think deep. How could I serve my true fans better right now? now? How could I treat them? How could I listen to them? How could I celebrate them? This episode is partially that, having listeners on the show because we love them. These are This is the community that I want to be a part of. That's what I'm creating with my, with my work. And the thing I want to leave you with with that is that's just, that's not just the end. That is the means. Because I like this, you know, we talk about the thousand true fans on this show a lot. That's Kevin Kelly's idea of like, you only need a thousand true fans that'll pay a hundred bucks a year and that'll be a hundred thousand dollars and that's your full salary. Boom. But the truth is I, I like a more integrated model. Something I come back to over and over is that the thousand true fans isn't just the goal. It's the means. It is the, if you integrate that model with the diffusion of innovation, which is just the study of how ideas spread and how things catch on, that thousand true fans become your early adopters. You have a thousand people that are bonkers for what you do. They become a mustard seed that spreads like wildfire. If you have a thousand people that are crazy about what you do and you build those, those connections over five years, let's say, when you have that, that thing becomes explosive and this, these deep connections are what turn into wide connections over time. And so I hope that this episode has helped you. There's, I feel like everybody showed up with mindset shifts that get you away from mythology, get you away from mad dash, short term, uh, you know, using people and to, to get what you want. 
and move into things that have always been true. We're social animals. We're here to bring value to each other. We're here to celebrate each other. We're here to connect with each other. If you approach your creative career like that and you approach building an audience like that, not only are you more likely to build a true foundation for a thriving creative practice, but you're more likely to build one that actually is meaningful and fulfilling. So I'm so grateful to everybody that showed up and and gave us the amazing tips that I think are going to create one of the best episodes ever. Uh, I'm thankful to all of the, all of you. And uh, I hope you got a ton from this episode. We got a little bit more to bring you out, to play you out. Hope you loved it. Thank you so much. Go sign up for a Patreon now. Play the long game. Get started as soon as possible. Start compounding that interest. You never know. Maybe you only have one backer uh, in 2020. But in 20 years, you might just have half a million. Hello, my name is Corey Leota, um, C-O-R-R-I-E-L-I-O-T-T-A on Instagram. I'm an illustrator and storyteller, and I put out a children's book last year called The Appropriate Pirate, about a pirate with good manners. And right now, I'm actually working on another children's book with the support of Patreon, so that's been really exciting. Um, I have been listening to Creative Pep Talk for about a year now, and it's been so integral to keeping me focused on building an illustration career while I pay my bills working at a coffee shop. I honestly don't think I would have had any of the drive I do now if it hadn't been for this show. There have been a ton of helpful strategies I've gotten from listening to Creative Pep Talk, but the one that comes back to the surface for me every time is Art Island. Um, It's a reference to the documentary about the curse of Oak Island and how there was treasure buried there, but it was surrounded by booby traps and so many other things that made getting to the treasure itself increasingly difficult. Uh, This has been so important for me to come back to again and again. I've been trying to make it as a freelance artist for what feels like a really long time. And it hasn't gotten any easier. And like, yeah, I've had breakthroughs here and there, but still haven't reached that place of being like, okay, I can quit my day job. I can survive on this income now. But listening to this podcast over the course of the last year or so has really evolved my perspective and kept me on the path. Um, I know that when I start to feel discouraged, that's when it's time to keep digging. Um, When I get another rejection, that's when it's time to keep drawing and like just not give up. Um, I love Joseph Campbell and I'm so inspired by the monomyth. And, you know, the past few months have felt like a wild call to adventure moment for me because I don't have a coffee shop job anymore due to COVID-19. So I've had this cocoon of time to just make things and plan a business. And now I'm kind of in this belly of the whale moment where I'm really like Luke Skywalker in the cave trying to decide if I can actually do this, if I actually believe in myself enough to take this leap. But even just being reminded that life has cycles like these is an encouragement that I have received from this show because it reminds me that it's normal and I can keep going and maybe even eventually come out of it onto the other side um, right before I head back into it again because it's a cycle and it's like you just you know have to be prepared for it. So thank you for this podcast because it has been vital to me this year. Hey, we got a ton of super great 
submissions for this episode. If you're uh, a Patreon backer, you can go to the Patreon and you can, there's a Dropbox folder and you can just go listen through all the submissions. Um, They're really great. Highly recommend it. Um, Sorry we couldn't include them all in this episode, um, but I, we listen to everyone and they really day. So thank you so much. Man, this uh, this episode means a lot to me. I think uh, not only is it really cool that we celebrated patron Patreon backers and we had some special guests, but I feel like uh, tactic and and strategy per capita per per minute are uh, our our t- TPMs tactics per <laughs> per minute. <laughs> this is like off the charts. Um, I hope you loved it. Uh, go sign up to Patreon. Thanks, Patreon, for making this episode possible. Thanks to all the Patreon backers for making this possible. We absolutely love and adore you. And I'm I'm so thrilled to be um, part of this community with you of the creative pepperonis. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Huge thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing the show. And uh, thanks to Ryan Appleton for helping me organize and, and sort through all this episode and, and work with Patreon to do such a cool project. And until we speak again, eat pork fritters. Did you think I was going to say something else? <laughs> Don't eat pork fritters, okay? Like, if you're going to, just eat them on occasion. It's bad for the environment. I'm not going to tell you what to eat. I'm only joking. What I am going to tell you to do is and I'm going to demand it. Stay pumped up.